0: Well, good morning. If I haven't had a chance to, to meet you, uh, my name is Ron Dozier. I'm the campus pastor here, and I'm delighted, along with Chris and Talbot and other leaders that are here, along with you, to be inviting all people into a living relationship with Jesus, who is God's Christ. We are in this series called The Church, and in, we're in week three, but we're in part two of a message all about this church. And last week we discovered uh, through the message that you were not made to grow, you were made to grow. That's your design that God has for you to to grow and be fruitful as a reflection to the living relationship that you have in Christ. I'm just excited about the message today and we're gonna be coming from the gospel According to John, there are four biographical sketches of the life of Jesus in this library called the Bible Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today we're going to be in John's biographical sketch. But wherever we are in the library called the Bible, we believe a couple of things. First, we believe that this is not a book, but it's a library. It's made up of 66 books. And we believe that unlike any other library in the world. That this library is inspired, it's eternal, and it's true. That's why as a community, we lift it up. That's our way of saying and showing that we submit ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. We don't worship the Bible, but we do worship the God of the Bible. Amen? Amen. And before... uh, say another word. Well, let me say this word. Today is January 26th. You know what day it is? Today is my mother's birthday. She's 73 years old. 73 years young. I should say that, because we should see this. 73 years young. So I do want to say happy birthday. Happy birthday to my mama. Amen. (laughs) Now, before I do anything else, let us pray. So God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord, that heaven and earth may pass away, but your word abides forever. So even now, I pray that you would anoint me, that you'd fill us, that you give us ears to hear, you give us hearts to receive your word. Help us to be able to listen to what you are saying to us. Then help us, Lord, not to just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers of the word so that we do not, as James says, deceive ourselves. Thank you for what you will do. For this in Jesus' name, that we pray. Let all who agree say together, amen and amen. Well, today, uh, like many of you, I'm going to be watching my team, the Washington football team, (laughs) compete (laughs) against another team. This week is the Buffalo Bills, who's determined to keep them from winning. And the thing about it is, In households and stadiums all around the country, people will bond together for the common goal of supporting their team. And what's interesting to note is that even though they're, despite the differences and political differences, racial differences, cultural differences, economic differences, all those distinctions are set aside. For the sake of the team. Are there any Carolina Panther fans in the house or online? I should say the 3 0 Carolina Panthers. Amen. You know what? Even though the players may have their names on the back of the jersey, those players represent a bigger reality. It's bigger than just who they are, they're all part of a team, and those players allow us to see, through their actions on the field, all the plays that the coaches have designed in preparation. Those players carry out so other people are able to see what they designed for them to do. Well, we're in this series called The Church. And the church is not a building, it's a body. It's the body of Christ of which Jesus Christ is the head. And I wanna let you know that if you're a part of the church, you're part of a winning team. And we have collectively, we have the unique opportunity to make visible the plays that God has drawn up from the library called the Bible we allow other people to see what God intended as we live out what God has placed here within. Well, today we're going to be taking a look at a prayer that Jesus prayed for the disciples then and every disciple that would follow. <clears throat> has anybody ever prayed for you? I know you got some masks on, so just use your hand to talk. We used to sing a song in a church I was at in Philadelphia. And I'm not a singer, so I'm just going to tell you the lyrics. The song said, somebody prayed for me. It went like this. Somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. Has that ever been your sentiment? that you are glad that somebody prayed for you. How encouraging it is to know that not just somebody, but as we'll discover that Jesus prayed for us. In his prayer, he prayed that we'll carry out the plays that God has designed from his playbook, that despite hostility, adversity, adversity, an opposition that we will face as a team, that we will be encouraged. For as he told the disciples right before he prayed the prayer in John 17 that we're going to take a look at, he says this, and it's something that we could testify to today. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good courage for I have overcome the world. Now, John 17 is the longest recorded prayer that Jesus prayed in the scriptures. It comes on the heels of his private conversation that he had with the disciples. John 13, all the way through verse 16. He was preparing them for his departure. And even though they were sad and when Jesus was arrested, they scattered in fear. But then they saw a resurrected Jesus and they received the promise of the Holy Spirit who empowered this team to advance the kingdom of God collectively. The prayer starts off with Jesus, verses 1 through 5, talking to the Father about what he has accomplished and how he had brought glory to the Father. Then it picks up in verse 6 through verse 19, where he prays for the disciples. He prays for their protection against all of the evil opposition that they're going to face. And then we pick up the prayer At the portion where Jesus prays for us. So turn with me to John chapter 17, and I will read verses 20 through 23 in your hearing. It says it this way My prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that's you and me, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them. And you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Well, first of all, as you can tell from what I read, the priority of the prayer is that we would be one. Just like Jesus and God the Father were one. Because that oneness provides a witness. It allows us to live into the fullness that he intended. And it is evidence of the love of God that has been given to us. So the oneness that Jesus prays for is a oneness that we are to reflect because it's a oneness that we have received as a result of the resurrection. We don't have to work for unity. Let me say that again. We don't have to work for unity. We just have to express it. We are already one in Christ. That's what God did for us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he put us in Christ. And then simultaneously we receive the Holy Spirit so that he is simultaneously one on the inside of us. So God is at work in us, through us. He's developing us as a testimony of his presence and his power. You see, the oneness that we have been given is a oneness that we are to reflect because we are mirroring the oneness that we have received. It's like the life that we have in us is supposed to be reflected out of us. Let me see if I can give you a window so that you can see this. Anybody here ever play Simon Says? Now, every, come on online. Everybody ever play Simon Says? Yes. Now, how does the game work? We stand here and you say, well, Simon Says this. And if you do what Simon Says, then you get to stay in the game. Isn't that right? But if you don't do what Simon Says, then you're out because you're supposed to reflect and do everything that Simon says. See, Jesus was praying for, and this is what he was saying, that the oneness that we have received is supposed to reflect not what Simon says, not what the government says, not what politicians says, not what your aunt, your uncle, or somebody else says. Not even what you say, but to reflect what God says. theres a, I, I know it's hard to say amen with the mask on. But get this. We are to reflect what God says. Because we're living in a divided world that's reflecting the words of politicians, uh, all sorts of groups and organizations. But we've been blood-bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and we're supposed to reflect what God says. See, it's more than just words. For Jesus was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. We're supposed to Allow people to see an example of the words that we speak. But let me tell you what's going on today. People like to throw out words, but then are concerned about the example of the very word that has been shared. See, I don't have to spend much time convincing you that we live in a divided world, do I? People are divided by politics, and race, class, issues, and the chasm seems to be getting wider and wider. But you know what? In the middle of all that, we the church, this church has an opportunity to embrace oneness for a purpose. See, what the devil is trying to distort in this current world system, Seeking to turn a people away from God. God has called us to turn people to. Well, what does this unity involve? You ask some good questions. So let's investigate. We see that in verses one through four. I'm going to read it. <clears throat> Amen. It says it this way, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you for you have granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. Let me say that again. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you've given me to do. Jesus brought glory to God by finishing the work that he was given which involve revealing the one true God so that those who believe might experience the life of God, which he calls eternal life. Many times when people think of eternal life, they're thinking in terms of afterlife. But no, as defined right here in many other places, eternal life has to do with receiving the life of God The life that we have been given as a result of believing the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Once we believe, we've been given that life in this life so that it can be developed so that we can reflect the one who we're in relationship. See, it's more than just knowing facts about God. For Jesus was truth that wore skin. He came down so that he could reveal what God was like interacting with the disciples. You see, we continue the mission. We are a continuation of the incarnation. We allow people to see an example of the life that's in us, that's been given to us, that points people back to God. We're unified around the work of God, both with us, but it's a work that's taken place in us. Now, symphony, when they warm up, it sounds like a bunch of sounds, like independent noise, because they just reflect their individual sounds. That is, until the conductor He takes his place, and with his wand, he brings those separate sounds into harmony because they're unified by a purpose, like a symphony. When we work together to point people to the reality of who God is, we allow people to see that God has placed us in him, but simultaneously he has placed himself in us, and we reflect the character, the nature of the life that we have received. See, because it's impossible to live this new life in the power of the old flesh. We bring glory to God when we come under his authority, allowing his life to be reflected through us. Like Jesus, the message is what we model. It's both show and tell. Without the truth, there can be no unity. We're called to bring God glory in a world that's big on graffiti, that's seeking to distort the very image that God wants to reflect in the world. God wants us to know the truth because it's the absolute standard by which all reality is based. And this world system and the devil wants to distort the truth so that we doubt God and then begin to embrace his lies, trying to build a life based on lies instead of embracing the truth of what God has said. See, everything that God has designed for us, like the family, a beautiful marriage, living relationally with one another in community, the proper use of authority, and the list goes on and on. God calls us to reflect what the devil is trying to distort. Because let me tell you something, greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. If people are out there, amen, and they are divided, they're yelling at each other, they're separated because of sin. God has called us to be an example in the middle of all of that to reflect the oneness that we have been given. So while all those people are reflecting how they can't get along, we are supposed to be reflecting how we can get along. Why? Because we're under the authority of God. And God, who's one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's no division within them. Amen? And that oneness is inside of us so that we have common ground through the Holy Spirit. Listen to what John says concerning the truth that bonds us together, that we're supposed to reflect. Take a look at verse 13. I'll read down through verse 19. He said, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world, any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. That word "sanctified" means to be set apart. We have been set apart so that we can reflect the new life that we have in Christ. Don't let people pressure you because God has called you to be different. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different than the world. You're supposed to, we're supposed to reflect something different than people constantly hating one another, talking about one another, not able to uh, work together with one another. We are supposed to be different. Young people, you're supposed to be different in school. When they're running around here, doing all this TikTok stuff, tearing down stuff, you're supposed to be the ones that reflect what God calls you to do being obedient, following directions like we're supposed to. See, God has provided us his Holy Spirit to empower us, to reflect the life, the set-apart life that he's given us. But what sets us apart is the truth. It's not my truth. It's not your truth it's God's truth. And that truth is not just an idea. That truth is wrapped up in a person. That truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to not be afraid to take daily inventory. There ought to be two questions that we'll throw up here that just daily you can take a look at. First of all, Am I expressing my new life in Christ? Am I seeking to learn and live God's truth in the scriptures? Jesus said, I have done what you asked me to do. I've given them eternal life that they may know you. Are we seeking to know and grow in our living relationship with Jesus Christ? Is that our priority? If it's not, it should be. We ought to be asking ourselves that. The second question is this, partnering that oneness as Christ's body, how can I partner with others to express the love of Christ? Because we must live surrendered lives so that we can reflect the truth. Although broken, when we obey God unified by the truth, we allow the world to see a love so powerful that it will motivate us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. A love that compelled him to wash the feet of Judas who would betray him. A love so powerful that it motivated him to restore someone like Peter who denied him. A love so powerful that once he rose from the grave, it prompted him to show evidence to someone like Thomas who doubted him. Now, let me ask you some questions. Have you ever betrayed Jesus? Have you ever denied him? I know every hand in the building and online ought to go up when I ask you this question, have you ever doubted him? But what has his love done for you? A love that Jesus commanded those same disciples and John Chapter 13, he says a new commandment that I give unto you, that you would love one another, even as I have loved you. By this, all men shall know that you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Take a look at verses 22 and 23. He says this, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Our unity will have, as he says there, an impact on the world. It gives credibility to the gospel message that we're sharing. What a powerful motivation. Will you participate in what Jesus has prayed for? Because this is what I wanted to share with you, the church, this church. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to, we're seizing the opportunity to reflect the unity that Jesus prayed for. I know that's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. We're seizing the opportunity to reflect the unity that Jesus prayed for. He asked yourself this question. Will you be part of the so that, so that the world may know and believe the gospel, or Are you going to be part of the so what? When we live out Jesus's prayer, people will see God's love reflected through our unity. God will work through us as a compassionate community who collectively, not just individually, but collectively, because we work together, we reflect the heart of God. Look at what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I'll read that to you. He says, dear friends, do we have it up there? Let's read this together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, because God is love. Did you hear that? God is love, and we've been given that love, a love given to us so that it might work through us. A couple of weeks ago, my wife, who's seated right over there, <clears throat> wave your hand. <laughs> and our son right there, Zach, he can wait. He don't want to do that. He's going to get me later. The three of us, even though we've all been vaccinated, we came down with the COVID. And we were, we were really sick. But as hard as that hit us, you know something that hit us even harder? It's the fact that we saw the love of God in action by the people of God. Five minutes after the church discovered that we were sick, immediately we received a DoorDash and then a message from Talbot saying, hey, don't worry about trying to cook anything just order your meals. We got you. We love you. We're praying for you. And then people from our prayer team and other people in the body of Christ began to show up, dropping off groceries at our front porch. People from different parties, people with different colors, People that might be disagreeing on other things, but guess what? Collectively, you know what they were committed to do? Demonstrating the love of God to us. And every example of that, every time we received something, I would go in a house and find somewhere and I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying because the love of God had so penetrated my heart. And God was showing me, like he continues to show me, that that type of love can have an impact on the world. And that's the type of love that I want you to be a part of and that I want you to call other people to partner together so others may be impacted by the power of God's agape love that we have received. See, God has called us to be the church, a people where love for one another is evident, prominent, penetrating, and powerful. A people that won't allow political parties, the fact of what color I am, what color you are, different things that they argue and divided out there in society, to keep us from expressing the powerful, penetrating love of God that has been given to us. You ought to say amen even through the mass. That's a love that we can't keep to ourselves because the spirit of the disciples was to be that of love, not hate. We unleash God's agape love that seeks the highest good for those that he loves. He lifts us up from individuality into a caring community that walks alongside others that are going through difficulty. God is calling, if you're listening. He wants you to be a part of that expression together of his love. That is why after the benediction, we're going to have two, there are two caring ministries out in the breezeway, Grief Share and Cancer Companions, because so many people have experienced and lost and pain and heartache. And so many people's lives have been touched by cancer. God raised up caring people so that you don't have to walk through these things alone. We even now have a Christian counselor who working on site, that's her picture there, Courtney Barnett. I told you at the beginning that you're part of a winning team because the church and you out there, this church, we're seizing the opportunity to reflect the unity that Jesus prayed for. Let us pray. God, thank you for the love that you have given to us. A love that partnered together to send Jesus to come to die on the cross. A love that partnered together where he couldn't stay dead, but the Holy Spirit raised him up and you ascended into heaven. And right now, you're seated at the right hand of God the Father, calling us to love because you want to love through us. Thank you for the love that you've given us. And now may we as a church, this church, may we seize the opportunity to reflect what Jesus has prayed for. In Jesus' name we pray, let all who agree say together, Amen and amen.